Um, first, thanks for, uh, for coming. Um, you know, I was actually reading Hacker News, uh, and one of the things that was mentioned in the Hacker News was uh, a person said, I knew AWS was doing this already for me, and um, that's indeed true. We've been doing this for a, for a long period of time, and uh, we decided to expose this to customers uh, recently. And um, I'm actually going to uh, try and actually speak quickly through the, through the slides and give more time for Andy, uh, who's going to talk more about the service itself. But I'll give you a brief overview of what we've been working on and how long we've been working on this. We've been working on this since the Amazon.com days. Like, that is something that we had to do for our retail site. Um, and uh, it's something that was, that was important for us. And I know uh, Werner also jokingly said that uh, we're in the, in, the, in the business of pain management, and that's indeed true. Uh, it's something that, that we've actually lived and lived for a long period of time. And um, as of today, we'll actually have this available for our customers as well. So very briefly, I'm going to go through uh, what DDoS is. I'm not going to spend that much time on it. I assume that most people in this room are familiar with that topic. Uh, but I'll give you a bit of uh, an overview of what we see historically uh, in terms of attack patterns and how we've actually approached this problem. And then I'll transition on to uh, AWS Shield, give you the different tiers of AWS Shield, standard and advanced. And then that way, uh, you as a customer can choose which one suits your needs. So first, 101 of DDoS is, uh, it's a fairly um, straightforward slide. Basically, you have a set of requests coming to your application from different locations on, uh, on the planet. And oftentimes, it's hard to pinpoint exactly where those locations are. Uh, and what that lets you do, what that prevents is your legitimate users are not able to access your application. Okay? So ultimately, DDoS is an availability issue more than anything else. Right? So this is uh, the familiar stack that you guys have probably seen as part of uh, Werner's keynote as well, and you've seen it in other textbooks. Uh, so essentially, you have the, the network layers, the transport layer, and the application layer. Those are the three layers uh, where DDoS is most likely um, actually a target. And when I say network layers, those are related to volumetric attacks. So volumetric attacks are like UDP reflection attacks are, are volumetric attacks. So you have the response of a UDP query actually hitting your application. It's pretty much garbage traffic. Uh, prevents your uh, specific application from being able to respond to legitimate customers, clogs the pipes between your end users and your applications. Okay? The other kind is state exhaustion attacks, and these are at the transport layer. And these are typically of the form of SYN floods, um, TCP and SYN floods as well. Uh, typically, actually, you have a SYN uh, attack that actually accesses your specific application. Uh, you never follow up with a SYN ACK and an ACK. Uh, so for all practical reasons, it's primarily uh, uh, an exhaustion attack. Yeah. The third kind, which is less common, are application layer attacks. The most common part of application layer attacks are DNS flood attacks. And then you have some well-formed HTTP layer attacks as well, okay? And this is data from Arbor Networks. And typically, if you look at the percentage of attacks, and this very much lines with what we see at uh, Amazon with AWS as well, 65% are volumetric attacks, 17% uh, um, are state exhaustion attacks, and about 18% are application layer attacks. Uh, the most common kind of volumetric attacks are actually SSDP reflection flood attacks. Okay? And these are the kinds of attacks that are primarily targeted towards um, clogging your actual pipes. Okay? Uh, 
The other kinds are NTP reflection attacks, DNS reflection attacks, uh, charge in, which is a more uh, recent kind of attack, uh, simply floods. Those are less common. Uh, SSDP is more common that we've actually seen. Uh, as far as the state exhaustion attacks, SIN floods, um, on our average, these are larger in volume. The SIN flood attacks are larger in volume. Uh, they prevent real users from ex establishing connections. Um, and as I said before, DNS query attacks are the most common form of application layer attacks. So uh, what are the primary challenges that customers tell us um, they have with uh, mitigating DDoS attacks? The first one is the difficulty with which to enable protection. So most application or most customers tell us that they have to go modify their applications to be able to get DDoS protection. And that is uh, it's a fairly hard thing to do because if you have to re-architect your entire application, uh, many developers don't think of this right from the get-go. They actually have to go re-architect their application. That causes time, and, and especially it happens at a time when it is not appropriate for you to deal with those kinds of attacks. Right? The second kind that they, uh, the second pain point that they tell us is manual intervention. So what that means is that when you're under a DDoS attack, you typically have to call a different provider. You have to tell them to go uh, announce your IP routes from that provider's location. Uh, they scrub that traffic. Then they actually have to drop clean traffic into your network through things like GRE tunnels, and those are complicated to set up. Okay, So it has two problems. One is it takes time for you to turn on attack protection, and two, even if you actually um, have that time, uh, you end up with creating latency for your regular users. Because what happens is you have to send all the traffic to a scrubbing location, scrub all the traffic, and then drop it into your network. So your end users, who are legitimate users as well, are also seeing an increase in latency. The third one um, that customers tell us is this increase in latency. So it's a fairly simple schematic. Uh, when you actually start announcing, either through Anycast or whatever other means, uh, your application's IP space from different locations, you add latency for all your end users. Next one is uh, how expensive it is to use these, uh, these attack mitigation techniques. Okay? Most DDoS uh, premium protection products are fairly expensive to use, and um, customers don't want to pay this amount of money just because they have to actually protect their application for availability. Now, what is our approach to DDoS protection? Well, the first and foremost thing is we've actually released a best practices white paper. We've actually been talking about it for at least a couple of reinvents now, and I highly recommend people in this audience to go read that DDoS best practices uh, paper. It's actually a fairly simple set of things that you can do to your application to protect your application, uh, and it's something that is important uh, for high availability anyways, so it's something that you should uh, go read. Now, in addition to that, uh, our approach to DDoS protection is fairly unique. The first one is that, well, our primary goal is maintaining the availability of the services and your applications. Okay, that is the primary goal for us. Um, and what that means is that we can't expect you as a customer to say, well, go change your application significantly just because you want to turn on AWS Shield. Okay, that is not something that we can expect customers to do. Okay. So what we've instead done is we've actually integrated DDoS protection into the existing services that we actually already offer you. Okay? And that means the, the same set of applications that you are using for scaling out uh, are the applications on this DDoS protection is automatically built in. Okay? So it's integrated into AWS's global infrastructure. What that means is that it's always on. 
And always on means that every single packet that's coming into your application is being monitored. Okay? We have our own set of uh, devices that we've actually custom built. Those are services that actually front our network. Um, and those devices are monitoring every single packet that comes into your application. It scores every single packet. We have a scoring scheme. Um, you know, obviously, we do some of the basic things like dropping malicious packets which are malformed and so on. But we also start scoring your packets. And once we actually s detect an attack, we can automatically turn on those protections for you um, automatically so that there is no manual intervention to be able to do that. Okay. The third kind is the amount of redundant connectivity that we have into our data centers. In fact, uh, our CloudFront Edge locations as well as our regions uh, typically have multiple providers coming into our networks. So that means that we have the ability to shift traffic between these different providers um, because we control the IP space for you on CloudFront. Okay. So here's how it actually looks. So you have a DDoS attack, and we have our DDoS mitigation systems that front uh, Amazon CloudFront, Route 53, ELB, our regions as well. And these devices uh, are services that we've actually custom built. They monitor every single packet that's coming in. Um, they do fairly sophisticated things as well. So one of the things that's mentioned here is uh, SYN floods. And what we do for SYN floods is we have a mechanism called SYN cookies, where um, when we have a SYN flood attack, we can actually respond back to that particular request with a cookie. And we wait for that act to come back with a cookie. And legitimate users will come back with a cookie. Uh, malicious users won't. And that's an easy way for us to drop it at the, at the bar of our network. The other kinds of, of uh, techniques we use is advanced traffic engineering. So we have the ability to move uh, IP spaces across our entire network to start spreading the traffic across different parts of the network and ingress traffic at certain locations. And that way we can actually decide to say which ones, how we mitigate these attacks by scrubbing that traffic. Um, now, after we've done all that, uh, in fact, there was a, met, a statistic I'd like to give you. Uh, we actually queried our CloudFront customer base, what set of our customers thought that we actually already did DDoS protection. And 55% of our customers basically told us, oh, we thought we did, you did this for us already. Okay. Um, yet, uh, customers kept asking us for other things. Like one thing that they asked me, asked us was, well, how does AWS really protect you against DDoS attacks? The second thing that they asked us was, uh, can I talk to some of your DDoS experts and can you guys give us help when needed? Um, then they asked us visibility into these attacks. They asked us about, uh, can I actually know the kinds of mitigations you guys put in place? What kind of packets uh, come in um, when there is a DDoS attack? Can I get packet captures? And so on. And the last thing that they actually also told us was that um, they uh, thought that they had to actually spend a significant amount of money with other premium DOS providers, um, and they were worried about the cost it actually has for them. It was not something that they could pay. Uh, large enterprise customers can afford to pay it, but the small, medium customers thought that it was too expensive for them to actually get DDoS protection. And with that, I'd like to actually introduce uh, Andy. Andy runs our uh, DDoS protection services and uh, introducing AWS Shield. Thanks. Thank you, Prasad. So um, you're here because you already know that we've launched AWS Shield. What I want to do is uh, take you into some of the details about uh, the, the service, the offering, what, what's different about the two tiers, and so forth. So um, AWS Shield is offered in two tiers, standard and advanced. 
And the standard tier is a free offering that's available to all AWS customers. There's nothing that you have to do to enable it. It's inherent in what we in the AWS cloud. Um, and there is no, again, no additional charge. And then we have advanced protection. Advanced protection is a paid service that addresses some of those questions that customers were asking us. Like, can I talk to a DDoS expert? I want visibility into what's going on uh, with respect to attacks. Can you protect me against larger and more sophisticated ones? Uh, how can you protect me against uh, you know, high costs associated with scaling for DDoS attacks? That's why we built the advanced protection. And when we were doing this, uh, this goes back to some of the kind of the pillars that Prasad was talking about before. You know, we wanted to make sure that first this integrated with your existing AWS infrastructure, so you wouldn't have to go and re-architect to adopt DDoS protection. Um, having it always on uh, in terms of detection and monitoring is critical because, as you know, DDoS attacks come very quickly and they can also go very quickly. So we need to be able to react in near real time and swing these mitigations in place much faster than I think what you can do with many other providers. We also wanted it to be affordable in the sense that we don't want cost to be an attack vector. So we want, to be, we want you to know that you are secure or highly available on AWS and not have to um, essentially worry about cost as something that could be driven up significantly by DDoS attacks. And lastly, lastly we want it to be flexible. So let's look first at AWS Shield Standard. Shield Standard gives you comprehensive protections for layer three and four attacks, including that automatic detection and mitigation, and, and really protects against about, well, over 96% of the common attacks uh, that you can see, that, you, that most customers see. And so those include things like SIN floods, UDP floods, reflection attacks, et cetera. And it's built into the AWS services that you already use. Now, if you, um, you know, if you feel that the basic protection is something that is sufficient for your application and your needs, but you also want to have layer seven or application protection, you can subscribe to AWS WAF separately. It's a pay-as-you-go service, and that's where you can configure your layer seven protections. So if we think about AWS Shield standard. Really the way to think about this is this is kind of better protection than ever for your web applications running on AWS. Again, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, this is really a way to both uh, increase awareness that we're doing this on your behalf, but also to solidify our commitment to you to continue to invest in this area. So uh, we will, uh, using our proprietary mitigation systems, we will continue to iterate and improve on those. We'll add new mitigation capabilities. We will continue to scale our networks and our con connections. Um, and, and so all of this we will continue to do at no additional cost. So what about AWS Shield Advanced? First, we'll clarify what it covers. So it is available today, and it specifically protects Elastic load balancing, and that includes both classic load balancer and also application load balancer, Amazon CloudFront, and Route 53. And it's available, the regional aspects of that protection, so, so for your regional resources, your 
uh, elastic load balancing resources, either classic or application load balancer. Um, for those, uh, it's, uh, AWS Shield Advanced is available today in Northern Virginia, Oregon, Ireland, and Tokyo. And you will see us adding additional regions in the coming days as we roll out, uh, as we continue to push out our reporting capabilities and a few of the other features to those regions. Another important and exciting announcement is that as part of AWS Shield, we feel that it's important to include comprehensive layer seven protections for your applications. And so as part of that, we are announcing the availability of WAF for application load balancer. So AWS WAF was previously available for CloudFront. Uh, there are some customers for various reasons who either don't want to or cannot use CloudFront in front of their web applications. You will now be able to uh, use AWS WAF in front of your application load balancers. And if you're already using elastic load balancing, but you're on the classic load balancers, there are easy migration pathways to get you over to application load balancer. So that should not be a barrier to you. So let's dive a little bit more deeply into AWS Shield Advanced. Um, there's really kind of five main areas that I think are worth discussing in detail. So the first is the fact that we have always-on monitoring and detection. And this is something that's shared with AWS Shield standard. Then we have advanced layer 3, 4, and layer 7 DDoS protections. We have attack notification and reporting. So you actually will have visibility into attacks as they occur and also an ability to look at, at historical attacks as well and see patterns in, in those attacks. Additionally, and I think very importantly, you get 24 by 7 access to our DDoS response team. So this is, uh, you know, this gives you the ability to talk directly with a member of our DDoS response team, either proactively, so before you're attacked, you know, when you're looking and thinking about your architecture or your rules, uh, and so forth at the layer seven side, um, but also reactively. So if you are being attacked, you need to talk to somebody, you need some instant you know, help and, uh, from somebody who's truly an expert, not only at mitigating DDoS attacks, but mitigating them within the AWS cloud environment, you get access to the DDoS response team. And then you also get protection against spikes in, in usage that can occur due to DDoS on your protected resources. So again, CloudFront, Route 53, Elastic Load Balancing. If your cost spike is a result of DDoS attack, we can help erase those spikes and bring your bill back down to where it would have been just with normal usage. So now let's dive into each of those a little bit more deeply. So for always on monitoring and detection, it's comprehensive. It covers both the network and transport layers, but also the application layers. And there's kind of three types of detection uh, that happen there. There's some attacks that, that have very distinctive signatures. They're easy to spot. You know, you can just kind of deterministic. You can just say, yep, that's, that's an attack, and it's very easy to flag. There's other ones where what we have to do is really look at them heuristically, and some others we rely on baselining. So for heuristics-based anomaly detection, these are things like looking for variations uh, in terms of the incoming traffic, uh, in the, you know, in the source IPs that are generating that traffic, maybe the source ASNs, um, 
whether, uh, whether that, that traffic is coming from validated sources, et cetera. And so these are things that they may not be entirely black and white, but they are things that, that do help you, um, you know, sort of, especially when you look at them in combination, to see patterns that say, hey, this might be an attack. The other thing that our detection systems do is they rely on baselining. So we're constantly looking and baselining normal traffic, and we look for anomalies there in terms of things like the number of HTTP requests you're getting, uh, what URLs they're hitting, et cetera. So maybe they're, you know, cache busting, obviously, would be a simple example of that. So then let's talk about the layer three, four, and layer seven protections. First, we'll talk about the network and transport layers. So there, uh, this is a little bit similar to, to, the, um, to the anomaly detection or the monitoring and detection in that there are kind of a few different ways that you can, that you can look at, at applying mitigations in DDoS attacks. Some of them are deterministic, some are more probabilistic, and then in the case of really large attacks, there are some things that you can do in terms of advanced routing policies or that we can do for you in terms of advanced routing policies. So deterministic filtering are things where, again, it's, it's, a, it's an attack signature that's very easy to pick out, um, and, and we can so effectively block those, those requests uh, sort of at the front door. Um, we don't really have to worry about things like traffic shaping and so forth. And so these are you know, examples of some of the, the signatures that we might see in malformed TCP packets. Um, now, when we move into the more, uh, you know, sort of, well, for, for less deterministic cases, um, we can look at, at various attributes of a packet that might indicate that it is less suspicious or more suspicious. And based on that, we can apply in our proprietary mitigation systems, we can apply a score to packets, every packet as it comes in, and use that to, again, create this score. And then based on that, if there is a large DDoS attack, and we can't filter it out deterministically, we can do it probabilistically. And most importantly, we can drop those high suspicion packets and make sure that the lower suspicion packets, which will represent your valid customer traffic, are getting through. Um, also, in the case of, of large attacks, um, we can take advantage of our large network infrastructure, um, and we can do things that help us, uh, in, we can implement advanced routing policies behind the scenes um, that essentially help us absorb those large attacks. And, uh, and, in, and we do a lot of that automatically. Um, we also have the capability to get involved manually if that's ever necessary. And, um, and, and so, uh, again, so this is, uh, you know, this, this routing capability is what really helps us absorb a lot of these large attacks. So now let's move on to layer seven. Um, so for layer seven application attacks, um, we rely on AWS WAF. And importantly, with AWS Shield Advanced, WAF is included at no additional charge. So by subscribing to AWS Shield Advanced, you get WAF, you can implement rules, you can protect your web applications, and you also have access to our DDoS response team to help you with that. So there's kind of three modes in which you can engage with AWS WAF. You can do it entirely on a self-service model. You can engage with our DDoS experts uh, to help you uh, in the event, either proactively before an attack happens or during an attack. And there are ways in which you can enable our DDoS response team to act proactively on your behalf, so if we detect an attack. 
So we'll talk about those a little bit more. On the self-service side, again, the important thing is that AWS WAF comes at no additional charge. You can go into that WAF console. You can configure rules. You can set them up. Uh, you can also take advantage of automations that we built into AWS WAF using some cloud formation templates and, and setting up a, a, you know, a lot of predefined protections. Your other option is, is, and this starts applying especially, you know, in the event of an attack where you're trying to diagnose things, figure out what's going on, apply rules to mitigate these application layer attacks. Um, you can engage our DDoS response team. Uh, there's, uh, uh, in the documentation, uh, we describe how to create a ticket that will escalate along the right pathways very quickly. The DDoS response team will engage with you. They'll triage the attack, and then they will assist you in creating the appropriate WAF rules to mitigate. Now, there's another option, which is where you can say, hey, I, wanna, I want the AWS DDoS response team to engage proactively. So if, if we detect a layer seven attack against your application that needs additional mitigation, they can, if you have given them prior authorization in IAM using a CloudFormation template, they can actually go in to your account, investigate, see what's going on, craft a rule for AWS WAF, and then with your confirmation, your authorization, they can apply that uh, for you. So this is, again, a way that I think you, you can get a lot of value out of AWS Shield Advanced by not just having the Layer 7 protections, but having the Layer 7 protections combined with the access to our DDoS response team. So um, the next major kind of feature is this attack notification and reporting. And I think this is a, an important distinction between AWS Shield Advanced and Standard. So with attack notification and reporting, you actually get visibility into when attacks occur and what those attacks look like. What are the vectors? How big are they? Um, you know, historically, how often have they occurred? And this uh, happens via CloudWatch, so you can also set alerts and alarms and be notified when an attack is ongoing. We talked already about some of this 24 by 7 access to the DDoS response team. Again, there are there's, uh, easy ways if you're an AWS Shield Advanced customer to very quickly get your cases escalated to that team. And again, they have very deep experience, not just with mitigating DDoS attacks, but with mitigating DDoS attacks within the AWS cloud. And again, that engagement can be proactive before an attack occurs, can be during an attack to help you figure out what's going on, quickly apply mitigations, and then also after attack to kind of do post-mortems to figure out, hey, how do we get better prepared for the next attack that comes? And then importantly, you also get bill or, or cost protection with AWS Shield Advanced. And effectively, uh, what this does is it says, hey, for any resource that you have specified for protection, um, if there is a spike in usage related to DDoS attack, we will help cover the costs, or we will cover the costs of that scaling that occurred on that resource so that your AWS bill at the end of the month for that resource is no higher than if just your normal traffic patterns had applied. So with that, um, let's talk a little bit about how you get started with AWS Shield. And as part of that, I think it's, it's good to talk about pricing. It was covered a little bit in Werner's keynote. We can talk about it a little bit more here. Um, Beginning with standard protection, 
Again, no additional cost to you, no commitment. It's just part of what you get when you use AWS. The advanced protection um, has a few components to it. So first, we ask for a one-year commitment to the service when you sign up for it. And the service has a base monthly fee uh, that's at the account level of $3,000 per month. Now, importantly, there are many customers, particularly enterprise customers, who may have many accounts um, with only one sort of central payer account. Um, you can enable AWS Shield Advanced just in one account and then through IAM permissions. You can set it up so that, you know, with your other accounts, you can, you can specify resources to be protected that are in your other accounts. So you're not stuck paying this $3,000 over and over and over again. Um, and then on top of that, there are charges for data transfer. And so, uh, and, and this only applies for CloudFront or for elastic load balancing uh, resources. The CloudFront uh, data transfer costs start at two and a half cents per gigabyte uh, and scale down from there as, the, as your volumes go up. And for elastic load balancing, whether that's classic load balancer or that's uh, the application load balancer, um, they start at five cents per gigabyte. And again, the cost goes down as your volumes go up. And, um, and so I think it's helpful to think about, you know, how should you choose uh, which of these options to use? And so I would say that, you know, if you're a customer, you've been running on AWS, you haven't been having a ton of problems with DDoS, you're not especially worried in terms of, you know, you don't feel like you're particularly vulnerable either because of the space you're in or the stage that you're currently at and so forth, then you can stay on, on AWS Shield standard and know that we have a commitment to continue invest, to invest there. Um, and, uh, and then if you want those layer seven protections, you can subscribe again separately to AWS WAF. If you're a customer who feels like you need the additional protections and you need some of those other features like the visibility, the access to the DDoS response team, the cost protections, then AWS Shield Advanced is probably the right choice for you. And so, again, how do you actually get started with it? If you want to stay on AWS Shield standard, you don't have to do anything. If you want to adopt AWS Shield Advanced, um, you can enable it via the console. So just like all our other services, it is a self-service uh, service, and you can enable it. And, and so, in fact, that's what I would like to show you now. we'll walk through what this looks like to adopt AWS Shield. So here I've uh, got a session where I'm logged into the AWS console. Um, and if you go to the Shield, to the WAF and Shield console, uh, what you will see is this page. So if you haven't previously signed up for AWS Shield or AWS WAF, this is what you see. And so in this case, you can say, well, okay, I'm interested in getting started with AWS Shield. So when you click on that, um, you know, importantly, because we do have the two tiers, uh, we want to give, you know, sort of another opportunity to, for you to kind of be educated on, on what the benefits are uh, for one versus the other. 
And so you'll see a, a table here that basically helps you understand what you're getting if you sign up for the paid tier, the advanced tier of the service. If you decide that you are interested in it, you simply click on Activate AWS Shield Advanced. Um, because, because this is a button where you're essentially committing yourself to saying, hey, I, I want to subscribe to this for 12 months. I'm agreeing to a $3,000 per month base fee. Um, it is something where we pop up an extra dialogue so that you can confirm that, yes, this is what I want to do. It's still a pay-as-you-go service, but we are asking for the one-year commitment. And so there you would just type, I agree, and you would hit Activate AWS Shield Advanced. I'm actually going to jump over to another account that has some of the resources in it already, so uh, load balancers and CloudFront distributions and so forth, to show you what would happen after that. So you would simply land on this page right here, and what you would see is, is hey, I, I currently i am not protecting anything, okay? Um, and not surprisingly, I, I have no incidents uh, recently. So, um, but, uh, and, you know, of course, ignorance is not bliss. What you want to do is you want to, you want to get some resources protected. So all you do is you come here and you say, I would like to add DDoS protection. And then you can decide what type of resource you want to protect. So in this case, I'm going to say, hey, I want to protect uh, my Route 53 hosted zone. And then I go here and I say, yeah, I'll protect my demo.com hosted zone. And then, and then these features are sort of on by default for, uh, for, uh, for Route 53, so things like visibility and the attack mitigation and so forth. It's just a way of assuring you that that's what you're getting. And then you say, hey, I want to add that DDoS protection. And so here we are. It's been added. And we see that, that for a Route 53 resource, you get attack visibility and you get attack mitigation. You know, Route 53 by itself isn't, isn't fronting a web application, so, um, so there's not the, the web attack sort of visibility or the Layer 7 type visibility on that. Um, so, great, now we've protected a Route 53 hosted zone. Easy as that. Okay, well, is it harder to protect something else? I don't know, let's try a CloudFront distribution. So if you want to enroll a CloudFront distribution, you simply come in and you select it. You can give your protection a name, so I can say CloudFront Protection. And again, you get notified of, hey, these are some of the things that are protected. Uh, you have the option of associating a, a web apple um, to, uh, with that distribution if you want the Layer 7 visibility. But again, we can just click Enable Protection. Now I've got a CloudFront distribution protected. And we can continue to repeat this. We can add load balance, you know, classic load balancers, elastic load balancers. Um, and for each one, you'll see them, you'll see them show up here. And, and again, maybe I'll do one more. I'll do an elastic load balancer. So I'll come here and say, I want to do classic load balancer. Um, in this case, I can pick the region. Um, and so I'll pick uh, one of the launch regions. So I'll say I want to do it in, in uh, Oregon. And I'll give it a name. So. Uh, And then again, we have the, you know, just the reassurance that these, uh, that these protections are applied. Uh, let's see, what have I not done? I need to select my load balancer. And now I'll add that protection. And so now I, have, now I am protecting an elastic load balancer. So it really is that simple. You know, you don't have to go and re-architect your system. You don't have to worry about setting up, um, uh, you know, routing to an external scrubbing center. 
uh, uh, in the event of attack. Um, you literally just check a few boxes and say, I would like to apply protection to these resources in AWS. So then what does it look like uh, once you've actually done that? Um, I'm going to jump back over to another um, account. And let's see here. I'm going to go to this one. And this is an account where uh, we have some canaries that are uh, basically populating uh, populating or, or, or essentially uh, instigating uh, attacks. Uh, so, so we're basically monitoring all of our detection systems and so forth. And we're pumping some of those results in here so that we have something interesting to look at. Um, I didn't mention that the, the AWS, the, the, the console for AWS Shield is a shared console with AWS WAF. Uh, that console is live. The top level link at the moment still says WAF. By the end of today, it should say WAF and Shield. So, but this is where you find it. Um, when you go into that, so this is an account that has one elastic or application load balancer under protection, and this poor thing is getting hammered. Uh, you can see that in the past uh, you know, six hours, we've had four attacks, and then in the 12 to six hours, we had uh, another three and so forth. So you know, this thing is getting hammered with attacks, but again, it's, this is kind of our, our kind of a test account, so we can show you what happens here. So first of all, you can see, again, these are my resources that are under protection. Here's sort of a top-level count and summary of them. If there were an active attack going on right now, you would see sort of an extra notification of that under here. It would say, hey, there's an ongoing incident. It would be flagged for your attention. Um, I can go and I can look at these incidents. If there is one currently occurring, it would show up here. In this case, we have an incident history. And you'll see that for an attack, you, see a num you, you get to see a number of things, including you know, uh, you know, what, was the, what were the attack vectors. And you can click through and look at metrics about these vectors so you can understand you know, what it was that was actually hitting you. Um, and then, uh, you know, what our action was in terms of if we were able to block that attack or what we did, um, when it occurred, and then also uh, the duration of the attack. And this duration is not time until we mitigated the attack. This is for how long did we see that attack traffic uh, coming and hitting our infrastructure or attempting to hit your infrastructure. So, um, so anyway, so you can see all that information. And you could click through on one of these to see sort of an individual attack and the metrics in CloudWatch. Uh, in order so that we can see more of them and actually kind of show you what this looks like in CloudWatch, I'm actually going to go back up and just go directly into CloudWatch. And here you will see um, that if I go to metrics, we have a suite of DDoS-related uh, metrics that have been pushed to CloudFront because you're subscribed to AWS Shield Advanced. Uh, if I go into that, I can see here's a, here's a whole list of them. And if I choose them, now I'm seeing a graph that says, hey, over the past 12 hours, um, you know, what, kind of, uh, what kind of attack traffic were we seeing against those resources? And here, again, we're, we're seeing um, this is in that account that had one application load balancer that was protected, and we've been simulating attacks against that. And so you can see that, that here we're able to see that, that these attacks occurred. Uh, for how long did they last? We can see what the vectors were for each of them and drill in and so forth. And because this is in CloudWatch, you can set up alerts and alarms 
so that you will know when you're being attacked. So you can get, you know, page or however you want to integrate there. Um, so that's what it looks like to sign up for and use AWS Shield. Again, our intent has been to make it as easy as possible, something that integrates with your existing infrastructure and something that you can enable with, again, just a few clicks. So I'd like to say thank you very much for coming. I know there were some issues with the signage, but really appreciate you uh, making the effort to come here and learn more about AWS Shield. If you'd like to learn even more, there are some related uh, sessions that I recommend you attend. Um, one of them is SAC 316. Uh, this is about uh, security automations um, and, and essentially using uh, automations around AWS WAF to better secure your applications. And in that session, you can learn more about WAF availability on application load balancer. Um, also, uh, the Elastic Load Balancing team is giving a talk at 3.30 p.m. today uh, that is a deep dive you know, on, on best practices for using Elastic Load Balancing. They'll also talk some about uh, WAF on, a, on, on application load balancer there. And then there will also be uh, live demos, uh, again, for AWS WAF on pre-configuring protections and security. Uh, and that's just a 10-minute live demo uh, in the booth, so you need to, you'll need to mark that on your calendars if you want to see that and make sure you're there at 2.10 uh, to, to view that as well. Also, we had a presentation earlier at reInvent, uh, SEC 3.10, which was really dove into, you know, how do you mitigate DDoS attacks on AWS? Um, and it talks about different attack vectors and some different use cases that, uh, that customers have, uh, you know, that we've seen from customers and, and how they have uh, worked uh, through the DDoS mitigation for their particular application. And that happened earlier, but it will be available on video. It should be posted soon. So just bookmark that and come back to it uh, as soon as it's up and you can view that talk as well. So with that, again, thank you. Uh, remember to take some time, uh, complete the evaluations. Really appreciate you being here, and thanks again.